It's the Big Baseball Podcast with Kyle and Drew Charters. Only two weekends to go in the Big Ten, yet nothing is decided. Kyle Charters here with Drew Charters for the Big Baseball Podcast. Drew, our our sneaky team, the one that was going to come in the back door and win the Big Ten, sneak up on everybody. I don't think that's going to happen. Blew it. Yeah, what happened? I don't know. They were all set up. They were all set up. It was teed up there for him. Put it right on the tee. Knock it out. Not going to happen, it doesn't look like. Uh, We will talk a little bit about that team uh, toward the end of the podcast today. But, man, there are some others here in the Big Ten, Drew, as we start to break this down, that are going to make this quite a last couple of weekends. And we'll talk to Burt Granger, who covers Midwest Baseball for D1Baseball.com. Looking forward to that conversation today with him to get a little bit of his insights into what he sees developing in the Big Ten. But, man, this thing is close. You know, you got to look at Nebraska, I think, and being a couple of games ahead in the Big Ten and think that the Cornhuskers have a pretty good a couple games ahead in the loss column, I should say, yeah. in the Big Ten, ahead of Michigan, and and ahead of in the loss column, Indiana. Um, and think that the Cornhuskers have a pretty good opportunity here. Yet then you look at the Cornhuskers schedule and think, man, it is a it is a tough road. But yet it's a tough road for everyone. Uh, this weekend, Nebraska, Ohio State are in the pod in Bloomington, uh, where all three of those teams will play four games. Maryland and Michigan are playing this weekend. Maryland now being the the front runner as that outsider to the other three. Uh, but what a weekend it will be. And I don't know that, I mean, unless Nebraska just goes and sweeps the four games in the pod, which seems highly unlikely, yeah. I don't know that we're going to go into next weekend either feeling real good about exactly what the scenario is going to be for who's going to ultimately win this thing. You dig a little bit deeper into this schedule, and there's some interesting things that, that come out of it. Nebraska, of course, let's start with IU. IU is at home in the pod, so they are the only team that doesn't have to play a doubleheader. Advantage IU. Yeah. Nebraska, the way the schedule lays out, mm-hmm. they are the first game against, they are IU's first and second game. Yep. They are Ohio State's first and second game. Yep. So your pitchers so that you face. So they got summer. Yep. McKay. McKay Brown, mm-hmm. Lonsway, probably Burhan. Yep. Burhan and Neely both pitched on Sunday because of Ohio State's weird midweek game with with Purdue. But so you've got quite the slate of number one pitchers there, basically. Yeah. Four in a row that mm-hmm. you've got to face when you're Nebraska. Yeah, four guys that easily could be number ones. Right. And would be for a lot of teams. Right. In the Big Ten. And so, yeah, I mean, I you know, the schedule just in terms of, you know, not only being in the pot against good teams, but how it lays out right. for the Cornhuskers. And then, of course, the next weekend they come home to face Michigan. So even though Nebraska has a bit of an edge, um, two games clear of Michigan in the loss column and Indiana, but Indiana is also another game additionally back in the win column. Uh, I, I'm not sure that it's as clear-cut for the Cornhuskers, though they do, as they say, you know, control their own destiny. 
You know, for Nebraska this last weekend, they get those two games against Northwestern. They did not play the third game, unfortunately. It, it means, at least as of now, the Cornhuskers will only play 43 games this season. I cannot imagine that the Big Ten is going to throw another game in there unless they did it going into that uh, series against Michigan. Uh, you know, I understand what happened there. The COVID issues within Northwestern. I, I just don't think you can force the Wildcats to play a game that they're not physically prepared right. to be able to play in. I mean, it, it would be dangerous baseball to throw pitchers who aren't ready to pitch in that environment out on the hill. Like, if you're just out of guys. Yeah. You can't just send guys out there who aren't who aren't prepared for that kind of environment. So... Nebraska will only play 43 games, at least as of now. How will that factor into things? Hopefully it won't. Well, you never know. I mean, how do you take that? Do you take that as an advantage that Nebraska did not play that game or a disadvantage that Nebraska did not play that game? I, in my notes, I have good for Nebraska or bad for Nebraska, question mark. <laughs> I mean, I think if you're Nebraska and you're taking the stance as any team would as, hey, we control our own destiny, you can't pay attention to what's going on around us, we have to win games. I think you want I think you want to play Northwestern there. Yeah. Because you expect to win. Mm-hmm. And so you want to be in control of your own destiny. If they played that game and they won, they're even more in control yes. now than what we're talking about. So I think if you're if you're Nebraska, it's bad that you didn't play. I think you would want to play. I think if you're if you if you're the other teams, it's good. Yeah, that they didn't play right because you would you would just expect Nebraska to win that game, unless you finish percentage points behind, right? And then, and then and then your chance to have won the Big Ten would have been Northwestern beating Nebraska on Sunday, right? So who knows? So yeah. I don't know the that, I don't know the answer. To, Long story determined. short, <laughs> all right, Michigan uh, put itself in a good position, winning two of three against Indiana. I think that was the best possible outcome uh, for the Wolverines. Uh, including the rubber game, getting a victory in that one. Jacob Denner outdueled Gabe Bierman in that game. And the bullpen for Michigan. I mean, look, when you throw out there on a Sunday, we're talking about Sunday, Drew. Sunday. Third game of the series. When you can go out there and throw Blake Beers, Willie Weiss, and then Will Proctor to close right. out up until this point, the biggest game of the season. There will be other big ones here over the next two weekends. But that's a pretty good trio in your bullpen to be able to march out there and, and close out a series when you need a victory. And when, and the way the schedule lays out here, that Sunday starter for all these teams is extremely important. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's. I mean, it may come down to that pitching matchup. Mm-hmm. And for Michigan, who you know arguably has a little bit more depth when you, especially when you throw that bullpen in. I mean that you know that's key for them. Yeah. Yeah, and so they'll be. Um, Hosting this weekend against Maryland. We'll talk about the Terps here in a moment. Hottest team in the Big Ten. And then going to Nebraska that final weekend. Indiana was probably the the loser of the weekend, right? Yeah. I mean, they the Hoosiers dropped two of three to Michigan. Just, just couldn't get the offense going, aside from the one victory. Otherwise, you know, just wasn't much there. On Sunday, five hits in a run. The Hoosiers struck out ten times. But the one game that hurts worse, I think, even than the the two losses at Michigan is the game on Tuesday night. They had to win that game. Yeah, it was staff day for both teams. And you would, I mean, going into it, right, Drew, you think staff day, Illinois versus Indiana? Right. Indiana doesn't have a pitcher on its staff with an ERA above five, not a single one. 
And we know we saw Illinois over a four-game period, both with the pod and then coming uh, to Purdue. They just the Illini just don't have a lot of pitching down. And, and we saw staff days, and it didn't go well. It did not go well yeah. for Illinois on staff days. And so you're thinking, okay, two staff days for Illinois and Indiana. That that is hugely favorable to the Hoosiers. And then what happens? Illinois gets a win in, in ten innings. Not only a staff day, you got to go an extra inning on a staff day. IU loses a home. Three to two. Uh, Taylor Jackson hitting a solo home run in the top of the 10th. Morgan Colopy stranded on second base to end that game. I don't know how many pitchers Illinois used. It was like seven or eight, maybe. But Grant Leader for the Illini went two and two thirds innings in the middle of that game. He allowed two hits and he struck out six. Yeah. So pretty good effort. So that's the game, in my opinion. More even so than the the Michigan series. Because, look, you're in Ann Arbor. You might lose two or three. That's not the end of the world. But you got to win that game against the Illini on Tuesday. Yeah, for for Indiana, especially in the games that they have lost, the airs have got to get cleaned up. They are not playing good defense. Was it three? Did they have three? Well, they've had... They had a huge error against Illinois early in that game. I believe it was the first inning. Yeah. Uh, they gave up a couple of runs to the Illini. They had a huge error late in the in the rubber game match against Michigan in the eighth yeah. inning. Michigan was already winning, I think, 3-1. Three, 3-1, one three, three, but they added three in the, they added, the eighth. They added a few, so it just totally put that game away. They've had IU has had 18 errors in the last 10 games. 18 in 10 18 games? 18 in the last 10 games. Ooh. They had five. Five of those are in one game. But they got to clean up the defense. Yeah. I mean, that kills. They can't do that. Yeah. That's a problem. And especially when they... When the errors matter, right? I mean, sometimes you get errors that, you know, if you're winning 15 to 3, you mm-hmm. know, errors don't matter. But these errors are affecting, directly affecting the games yeah. that they're losing. Yeah, and you can only pitch and hit your way out of that so often. You just can't give up free runs like that, especially when you're playing the kind of opponents that Indiana's playing here down the stretch. Uh, Maryland is is charging hard here at the end of the season. I don't know if you have... What are the numbers now? They've won 19 of 24. 24. They're 19 and 5 in their last 24. They're they're 14 and 2 in their last 16. Sweeping, 5 in a row. Sweeping Purdue over the weekend. I mean just really um taking it to the Boilermakers. Just a couple of games back of Nebraska, 24 and 14. It's amazing too what they are doing without Maxwell Costas and Randy Bednar. That's the thing that right. is most impressive, right? You have Benjamin Cowles, Chris Aline, uh, Matthew Shaw, who is a freshman, who's you know hitting out of the two hole, who I, I think has really stepped up and helped to uh, alleviate the the loss of sort of the the fact that those guys have been in and out of the lineup. Suddenly, you're getting you know some offense from Justin Vote at the bottom of the order when he is in there uh, catching, you know, hit another grand slam against Purdue. But they're finding um, they're finding some offense from some unexpected places. And that has really helped the Terps to get themselves back into this race. And and you've and you're seeing a Maryland team who has probably the best pitching staff we've seen in a long time, right? I mean, you've got Sean Burke right now, at least, as the number three starter. Yeah. And, you know, he's had some command issues, and I think that's what has led to, you know, the drop in the order. But it says a lot for him to have those issues. Mm-hmm. And still not be their number one pitcher, right? They have other guys yeah. that they can they can put into those spots 
for Sean Burke. And then you've got, he's still Sean Burke, you know? I mean, this is a guy who, by a lot of accounts, was the best pitcher in the league coming in. Probably the best stuff. Yeah. With McCade Brown. Right. Those two guys. As far as stuff goes. Right. Yeah. And so when, you know, when Burke struggles and you can move him to your three spot and have a couple of guys that are, that are pitching better, like Nick Dean is second in the Big Ten in ERA right now. Mm-hmm. You know, so that I mean, that's the that's the deepest pitching by Maryland we've seen, and I th- I think that's helping make up for you know those guys lost on the offensive end. Here's my question, Maryland. While Maryland has you know aside from a collapse here over the last couple of weekends, has now put themselves in a position to get into the NCAA tournament. Do they have any chance of getting a Big Ten title? I mean, I think even four and two is probably not enough. And to go 4-2 and two yeah. at Michigan and then a, a home against Indiana would be a heck of a finish with what they have done here over the last month. But I, I still don't think that's enough. 4-2 and two would be 28-16. I, I just don't think it gets you there. I don't think so either. I don't know if 5-1 and one does. I don't think it does. I mean, I... I yeah, I mean, I, you know, Nebraska is... Nebraska with with seven games left... You know, it's going to get to 29 you wins, would think. you would think. You Maybe would think. 30. Yeah. I mean, I know that schedule we talked about there and, and the pitching matchups are, are difficult, but Nebraska's also good. Um, so, yeah, I, I just don't know, you know, Maryland, even if it goes 4-2, and two, to get to 28, it's just not enough. But if you're Maryland, you're playing into the NCAA tournament. Certainly. You I mean, especially so. if you go 4 and I mean, especially if you oh, finish yeah. out here. Yeah, I mean, 14 no of their last 16, you know, the competition has been up and down, you know, through that. But it's that. good these last two weekends. But if they get these last two weekends and can put together a 4-2 and two and still not win the Big Ten, they've certainly, you know, oh, yeah. impressed the NCAA selection committee. They've become that fourth team. Yeah. If not better than that. I mean, depending on what the other right. uh, three do in the Big Ten. Uh, we'll hit on Iowa here coming up in the uh, the weekend rotation we alluded to. Uh, the Hawkeyes uh, in the opener. Let's hit Big Arm and Big Bat, then we'll get to our conversation with Burke Ranger. Uh, why don't you go ahead? What do you got for Big Arm? Sure, we'll go uh, uh, probably a person who may lead in nominees this season, Mason Erla from Michigan State. Uh, victory versus Ohio State, seven innings. Five hits, couple of runs, six strikeouts. Nick Dean, who we just mentioned, hit six shutout innings in a win versus Purdue, which just gave up six hits in that game. Uh, Trenton Wallace uh, for Iowa, a no decision against Illinois, but pitched well. Nine strikeouts, uh, just a run and three hits in six innings. Cade Povich uh, for Nebraska, um, Big Ten Pitcher of the Week, went seven innings. Uh, just a couple of hits, no runs, five strikeouts, and a win versus Northwestern. Uh, Jacob Dinner for Michigan, six and a third, six strikeouts, a win versus IU, just a run and four hits. Justin Cinebaldi for Rutgers in a win versus Penn State, uh, pitched six and a third. What happened to Rutgers? I don't know. I've got them to talk about in the weekend rotation. <laughs> they swept Nebraska. And then. Yes. And Did then they have sweep a, Nebraska or take two or three. They, they swept. swept Nebraska and then have won like one game in the last eight. Yeah, they they took two of three for Michigan, then went to Nebraska, won, and then just they played. They hosted that pod and just fell apart. Yeah, this is the game that they've won in the last eight. This game by Justin Sidibaldi, who went six and a third, just gave up three hits. 
against the Nittany Lions. Riley Goins uh, had nine strikeouts in, in five innings and a win versus Iowa. Well, we're going to go to uh, Illinois this week uh, in a win versus Iowa. Nathan Lavender had 13 strikeouts in six innings. 13. That's pretty good. Uh, just gave up three hits, a run. It was earned. He walked a few, but he got the victory uh, against the uh, Hawkeyes, Hawkeyes, who kind of uh, dropped it there on us. But we'll give a uh, big arm to Nathan Lavender. A uh, big bat. Uh Taylor Jackson hit the go-ahead home run in the 10th on Tuesday in a 3-2 win over Indiana for the Illini. Griffin Mazur had a, a good game and a Friday victory against Indiana. Two for five home run, a couple of runs, four runs driven in. Benjamin Cowell's a good weekend with a couple more home runs. He's now has 16 on the season uh, against Purdue. Three runs, three RBI. Uh, what do we got here? Griffin Everett for um, Nebraska. On the weekend, in a couple of games against Northwestern, he was four for five with four runs and five runs driven in. He had a home run. Justin Janis went five for five for the Illini in a game with a run and a double with an RBI. It leads the Big Ten in batting average. Yeah, five for five will up that average. Max Anderson, uh, solid in those two games for uh, Nebraska against the Wildcats. Hit 700, slugged over 1,000, a couple of doubles. Uh, Ted Burton uh, was really good in the weekend series for Michigan against Indiana, 7 for 12, three doubles, a home run. Of course, Michigan took two of three. Uh, but here's where we're going to go. This is a little bit different, only because uh, I think you got to put this in context a little bit. When we saw Adam Proctor, Drew, wasn't he like 0 for 30? He was. Adam Proctor, the Michigan State catcher, was in a just dire slump to start this season. And you could just tell, man, he he was just grinding at the plate bad. And, you know, for a guy who has the kind of power that he has, you're just like, man, he's got to come out of this at least a little bit at some point. And he did this weekend. Uh, the Michigan State catcher, uh, let's see, he had uh, one game, Sunday's contest went two for three with a couple of runs and a double. Um. He had two doubles in all and two home runs uh, over the weekend as Michigan State took two of three. So four extra base hits, two of them homers, two of them doubles. And that was after entering the weekend without a home run this season. And he has 13 now for his career, which leads Michigan State. So after just the, the really tough start to the season, nice to see Proctor get going a little bit. He will be the big bat for this weekend. All right, let's uh, take a break. We'll come back. We'll bring in Burt Granger. Uh, we'll talk to uh, him a little bit about uh, what's going on in the Big Ten, his thoughts on this race to the finish. That's coming up next on the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 1017 The Hammer. And happy to welcome in Burt Granger, who covers Midwest baseball for D1Baseball.com. Hey, Burke, it's uh it's a pleasure to catch up with you. Uh, I know the work that you do and, and do an excellent job of, of uh, keeping your, uh, your hand to the pulse of a lot of baseball in the Midwest, including, uh, of course, in the Big Ten. This has been a, a heck of a race this year, uh, to say the least. And these three teams at the top have sort of been there since early in the season, of course, that being Nebraska, Indiana, and Michigan. There's a couple others, though, that are that are lurking there as well, in particular with Maryland and Iowa. It really has made it an exciting race and one that will be pretty darn intriguing here over the last couple of weekends of the season. 
Yeah, Kyle, thanks for having me on. To your, to your point, uh, it has been exciting, and, and it's shaping up to be an exciting last two weeks of the season, just the way it works out here in the Big Ten, because a lot of these teams are facing off against one another in consequential series. Outside, outside of maybe Iowa, who has Northwestern and Michigan State left, yeah. Nebraska, Indiana, Michigan, Maryland are kind of all facing one another here as we, as we close out league play. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's what makes it great. And even with Iowa, now maybe the Hawkeyes hurt themselves this last weekend, but Drew and I laid out a path for Iowa to win the Big Ten Championship, which I didn't think was all that outlandish, considering that the Hawkeyes had the easiest road. And if they could get to 29 victories, then maybe they could earn themselves a share. Now, they lost a couple of games, Mm -hmm. uh, which was pretty surprising considering – the Hawkeyes won the opener against Illinois. So maybe Iowa a little bit on the outside looking in, but you're right. Everybody plays everybody. And so um, maybe Iowa still has a chance to sneak in the back door, but Nebraska and Ohio state at the Indiana pod this weekend, Maryland playing at Michigan. Uh, You know, it'll make for an exciting baseball. It also gives each one of these teams an opportunity maybe to to separate themselves a little bit here toward the end of the season. Yeah. And, this this Bloomington pod is going to be really interesting for me, matching up Nebraska and Indiana, you know, two of arguably the best teams, obviously. And then Ohio State's a really dangerous team, um, especially from a, a frontline pitching standpoint. So the way some of these pods work out, each team gets a, a really tough draw on having to face the the one and two pitchers from each team. Yeah. And in this one, that's going to be Nebraska having to face – uh, the one and two pitchers from both Ohio State and Indiana. And when you're talking about Ohio State, that's Garrett Burhan and, and Seth Lonsway, yeah. uh, who when they're right, they can be a problem. So uh, the the path forward, at least for this weekend, I'd say Nebraska maybe has the, the tougher case. Indiana maybe has the, the benefit of bouncing back from that loss against uh, Michigan with, with them being at home. But, but it's not going to be easy for, for any one team in particular this weekend. I hadn't considered that, even though, you know, of course, we've seen a lot of these pods and, you know, we've seen it firsthand with Purdue benefiting a little bit from sort of how that schedule plays out a little bit. And, you know, the Boilers took advantage of that in the Illinois pod a few weeks ago when Purdue went 4-0 in that Mm -hmm. pod and that you can get a little bit of a break from a scheduling point of view. And for Nebraska, which, uh, you know, has a slight edge – very slight edge in the Big Ten, it does create a weekend in which it's going to face some pretty darn good pitching here right. over, over the four-game series. Now, now, you could make the argument, though, the counterpoint that Nebraska is going to avoid Gabe Bierman, who's, you know, the Sunday guy for yeah. Indiana, who's arguably, you know, pitching like the, a potential Big Ten pitcher of the year candidate. So, um, whereas Tommy Summer on Fridays is, is – potentially not been not been as sharp at least in, in recent history yeah uh, but McCade Brown as we know their Saturday guy can on any given day can be one of the best pitchers in the country yeah so who wins <laughs> do you have any <laughs> do you have any feel for um maybe a better question is which of the which of those three or four teams five perhaps is the best team in the Big Ten so f- for me, it's Michigan, and it's been Michigan the, all year long. Um, and if you would have asked me that, you know, in September, I probably would have given you a different answer because I was pretty 
skeptical on Michigan to be candid because it was a four round, you know, five round draft. They lost four guys last year, two other guys uh, signed as undrafted free agents. So they were hit harder than any big 10 team by far and hit as hard or if not harder than a lot of teams in, in other power five conferences. But coach Backage has done a heck of a job retooling this team, uh, particularly taking advantage of uh, no roster limits to get a bunch of grad transfers in there. Yeah. So Griffin Mazur came over from UC Irvine to get to give him a, a, a veteran presence behind the plate. Christian Malfetta came over from Stanford. Uh, Benjamin Sims came from Kansas, where he was an all Big 12 performer a couple years ago. Will Proctor was a, a pitcher who, for Georgia, who was in their rotation. Now he's he's a, a crucial relief arm out of out of the pen for him. So those guys have really given given him a chance to retool this lineup with with veterans that have a, a plenty of of game experience in, in significant conferences. You know, yeah. Griffin Mazer was the you know, he came over as a grad transfer and was elected team captain a month later. So that tells you how much how much of a, a first impression he was able to make on a team that was filled with with veterans that made it to. The Omaha, the final in the College World Series two years ago. So, I, you know, talking to Coach Backich and I went to see them in the in the fall. That made me realize, okay, this this Michigan team, they might not be as good as they were in 2019. Mm-hmm. They are really, for me, the team to beat. So we we projected them to be kind of the top team in the Big Ten this year. I still think uh, that that plays out that way, um, but you know. Obviously, it could go a number of ways with with Indiana and Nebraska being in great positions. Maryland is a team that we liked at the beginning of the year. They got off to a slower start than we expected, but yeah. they're they're the hottest team in the Big Ten right now. I think they've won 10 out of their last 11, mm-hmm. 14 of their last 16. And then Iowa is a team that I saw, and they're, they're pretty good from top to bottom. And like I said, of all these, these top five teams, they have kind of the easiest road uh, from here on out as – that, you know, they got to take care of business against Michigan State and Northwestern. Uh, but to your point, there's, there's a situation where these other top four teams could beat up on each other yeah. and Iowa could, could walk its way to a conference championship. Yeah, we sort of had Iowa as needing to go 7-2 and two to really put some pressure, 7-2 and two before the Illinois series, to really put some pressure on, uh, you know, in Indiana, which has to play the extra game, obviously, or play mm-hmm. the extra game. And um, – you know, some of the others there that were at the top of the Big Ten and, and really put some pressure. But losing two to Illinois did not help in the pursuit of going uh, now, in our opinion, maybe 6-0 and here over the last couple of weekends, which is doable, but but I think less likely. Um, right. Yeah, the interesting thing, back to Michigan, the interesting thing about the Wolverines, at least this was the case mid-season. Now, maybe it has changed. I haven't checked here recently. But with Michigan and its offense, it did not have a single guy ranked in the top 10 in like any of the major categories, like not batting average, not slugging percentage. Uh, I think Jimmy Obertop at that time it was maybe ninth or 10th in home runs, uh, not RBI, not run scored. It was, it's just an interesting, but yet they, they do have good balance. I would imagine maybe if you looked at those stats now, perhaps that has changed a little bit and Obertop might be, you know, uh, a little bit higher up in some of those categories. But what they do do is they pitch well, and they particularly have a, a very deep uh, bullpen that I think right. is uh, the difference 
between them and a lot of others. Though, you know, Indiana and Nebraska are pretty darn close right there with solid bullpen, bullpens. I think if you were going to, like, separate, try to figure out what separates those three teams from everybody else, it would probably be those bullpens, right? Yeah, and I, I really like Nebraska's bullpen, at least from a, a star power sense and guys, if they can get it to the end of the game, Jake Buns yeah. and, and Spencer Schwellenbach have been fantastic this year. But it, it kind of was the bullpen this weekend that was the difference for Michigan over in Indiana. You know, that it, the series was tied going into Sunday and it was a close game going into the eighth inning. And um, once they got Gabe Bierman out of the game uh, – once Michigan got Gabe Bierman out of the game that they were able to make a little, um, you know, add on a three or four runs in the eighth inning of that, that game three to kind of secure that series and their own bullpen. Uh, you know, it, it was Will Proctor that the transfer from Georgia, yeah. I think pitched, pitched the last two or three innings of that game. And he's not going to blow you away with elite stuff, but he's just unflappable. And coach baggage attributed that to his experience pitching on weekends in the sec. Uh, Blake Beers has he's a converted starter who's up to 97 as a reliever and he's been really good in in late late games and I saw Isaiah Page on Friday night you know and speaking of of converted starters he he started one of the national championship game series against yeah. against Vanderbilt two years ago and now he's he's accepting his role out of the pen he'll probably move to the rotation next year but he was really good for two and two thirds for me on Friday. Um, it was only 87 to 90 with the fastball, but showed, showed the ability to spin a low 80 slider and, and really kept hitters off balance and, and cruise to uh, a pretty easy victory there on that Friday night. Yeah. It does not seem like the Big Ten will be hurt come NCAA selection in terms of it having played only a Big Ten schedule. I mean, the projection, and maybe this has changed since last I looked at at D1 baseball, but it at least has four teams in, if not now a fifth team in, right? At least there are five teams that are in pretty good contention. It would right. seem to, to be in uh, the field. And those, of course, the ones we've talked about, you know, Iowa and Maryland being the other two. I mean, it's hard to ignore what the Terps have done. And, and Maryland has done it without a couple of its top line guys. I mean, Maxwell Costas has sort of been in and out and not been the player that he usually is. And Rednar has sort of been in and out too. Um, but it's interesting that that Maryland team is playing as well as it is right now, uh, considering those guys have missed so much time. Yeah. If, you know, if you would have told me Max Costas was going to have one home run, but Maryland would still be in a position to win the big 10, I would have told you you're crazy, but that's, that's where we are. They've gotten just amazing production from Benjamin Callis. There's, there's shortstop. Who's a, a big 10 player of the year candidate. Uh, Matt Shaw is a true freshman leading the team in hitting. He's at, at 343, uh, great bat-to-ball skills, um, mature offensive approach. And then in center field, they got Chris Alling. Uh, I, I could be butchering that name, and I apologize if I am, but you know he's a leadoff center fielder, plays a, a really good defensive center field. Uh, he's a dynamic athlete, and he's leading the Big Ten in stolen bases. Uh, exactly kind of what you want to see out of your leadoff hitter, a guy, a guy with a nose for getting on base and then a disruptive presence once he's on there. So, uh, and then Sean Burke might be the most talented pitcher in the big 10. So yeah. you've got a guy like that anchoring the rotation. Oh, Jason Savakul, uh, freshman of the year candidate. Mm -hmm. I think he's been big 10 freshman of the week, three times this year, uh, kind of bookending that rotation on Sundays for him. He's not, 
again, and not, not a guy who's going to blow you away with premium velocity, but he, he's got secondary stuff and knows how to use it. And a, really a mature approach for a freshman. So um, he's been good. Sam Bellow out of the bullpen has been good. So they, we, we knew they would have a good team. Uh, how they got there, you know, I don't think, I don't think Benjamin Callis was a guy that was on a lot of people's radars for a Big Ten player of the year type season. Um, but this is what happens in, 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 in Big Ten baseball. You get these guys that creep up and have phenomenal seasons. And here he is, you know, two, week, two weeks left to go. He, he's a potential Big Ten player of the year candidate. Yeah, it's a pretty good deal when you're getting 16 home runs from your shortstop. Right. I think that's a offensive production that you will, you will definitely take. Will the Big Ten, you think, get five teams in? See, and that's another thing. Early in the season or before the season, I would have guessed maybe three teams. I think they would have gotten hurt um, because what I anticipated is a lot of guys beat a lot of these mid-level teams beating up on one another and without teams really emerging at the top. We do have a top tier. It's a little bigger than probably um, I anticipated. So, yeah, I think, I think they could get five teams. It's, it's interesting to see how it'll play out. You know, they got five two years ago, and I was pleased with that. Um, but that's when you have midweek games and, and non-conference schedule to, to start out. So you get a better sense of how to, how to handicap this league. We don't have that this year. Um, so I, I am, uh, cautiously optimistic that we'll get four or five teams in. I think there are four or five that are deserving. Um, but I, I don't think anyone really knows how the committee is going to handle this unorthodox year that, that came out of the big 10. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that I, as someone who covers baseball and you could probably appreciate this. I love pod play, man. Like I love going to going to one location and seeing three teams. Uh, it's more bang for my buck. It's longer days, but yeah. uh, I assume this is something that's not going to stick around. But um, if we're talking about uh, one benefit of the, of this kind of wacky season, that would be one of them for me. I, I you know, I, I think there actually is a chance that it will stick around and um the reason being is with an odd number of teams in the Big Ten, it is, it is extremely difficult for the Big Ten to find opponents mm-hmm. during their season, conference season to not only is it difficult to find them, but it costs them a little bit of money too to bring, right. to bring somebody in. So I think there is – I think there's a – I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I, I think there is a possibility because it has been, um, you know, a little bit popular. I think at least it has been with like us. Um, and then I think with the programs itself, I think just not having the headache of, you know, having that open date and then finding somebody out there in the country who also has an open date and then, you know, either traveling yourself and paying for that or, you know, paying some money, some percentage of money to bring somebody else in. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that would be alleviated if you just did this um, every week where you had that extra team in a pod somewhere. And, it, and you're right. It has created, I mean, like this weekend at Indiana and a couple of weekends ago at Rutgers, those were just uh, great weekends. And when you have, you know, full capacity fans back at these places too. Right. I mean, Nebraska, Ohio state and Indiana all in the same spot this weekend, if you could have full capacity and, and everybody, those three teams, first of all, everybody would be seeing red, but then also, uh, it would just make for great baseball too. So I, I hope that they do, you know, have it stick around. I think it's, it's sort of worked out um, pretty yeah, well. I, I hope you're right on that. Yeah. So um, 
Yeah, so the, the potential for five, it is, it is interesting, and it will sort of, uh, we'll see, you know, if the NCAA and uh, you guys who do projections uh, sort of probably are doing that, making some assumptions about what the NCAA exactly feels about the Big Ten and about its teams. But I think that if you just look at them from the eyeball test, right, I mean, you, you feel good about several of those teams. And I, you even would feel okay about Ohio State. I think the Buckeyes were really hurt by the Minnesota series being uh, at that time postponed, and now it looks like um, canceled because Ohio State had some momentum at that point, momentum which I think that they lost then, you know, having to take the weekend off, coming over to Purdue to play that one game, and then playing Michigan State and not faring as well as what maybe we expected. Yeah, Ohio State really had a favorable stretch to their schedule where they, they had Penn State, Purdue, Minnesota, Michigan State, where you, you really hope that they would clean up. You're, you know, if you're a Buckeyes fan, you hope that they would really take advantage of, of playing against those, those teams in the mid to lower half. But, and they, they went about their business against Penn State. They won the first two and then dropped the, dropped the finale. They did the same thing the next weekend against Purdue and then when their series got wiped out against a really struggling Minnesota team, you know, Ohio State yeah. needed those, those three victories um, to only get the one makeup or the one midweek game that they were able to schedule against Purdue. And then it's a bit of a letdown to, to lose that series against yeah. Michigan State. So um, Ohio State's, they've, they've surprised me in, in, in both positive and negative ways this year. So yeah. Um, they, they have that dangerous frontline pitching. They don't really have um, a potent offense, not a, lot of, not, a, not a big run producer in the middle of that lineup like they've had the past couple of years with Dominic Canzone and Dylan Dingler, uh, and that's really hurt them. So they can, they can kind of pitch with anyone up front. Uh, they have pretty good arms in the back of the bullpen. Um, they've, they've been hurting on, on Sundays, which is kind of unusual because when I go, I've seen a couple of Ohio State Sunday games, and Jack Neely is – about as electric as you can find in terms of a Sunday starter in the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, he'll throw a lot of pitches. He gets a lot of swings and miss and doesn't make it deep in games, and they end up losing those games. So, yeah. Um, it wouldn't. It, it would just kind of throw a, a wrinkle into things if Ohio State comes comes out of this weekend four and zero and reasserts themselves in, in contention <laughs> here in the in the Big Ten. Yeah, that would just throw throw some extra into that last weekend, which should be a good one as right. well. Hey, Burke, appreciate your time. Um, it's nice catching up with you and uh, getting to talk a little bit of uh, Big Ten Baseball with you. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm a big fan of the show, and you guys, you guys do great work. I appreciate that. That's Burke Granger, covers Midwest Baseball for D1Baseball.com. Back with more here in just a moment. This is the Big Baseball Podcast. the items that we are talking about as we go into this coming weekend. Uh, Drew, we laid out the scenario for the Hawkeyes. I guess Iowa could still sweep through the last couple of weekends and put some pressure on some other teams. It seems like that would be unlikely. The Hawkeyes sort of blowing it, losing two of three against Illinois uh, over the weekend. And now, according to D1Baseball.com, Iowa is one of the first five teams out of its projection. Now, as we talked to Burke a couple of minutes ago, 
trying to project this thing and figuring out exactly what the NCAA committee thinks about the Big Ten with its RPI looking like I know. garbage uh, is is going to be a little bit of a mystery. I think these, some of these teams pass the eye test. They, they clearly don't pass the RPI test because they haven't played anybody out of the conference. But D1 baseball right now has uh, Nebraska, Indiana, Michigan, and now Maryland playing its way into a three seed. But Iowa, one of the first teams out. So forget the Big Ten thing. Iowa needs to win some baseball games here down the stretch to get back in the picture a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that projection probably is looking ahead to Iowa's schedule and saying, okay, they're going to win. Well, you would you would think they're going to win two of three of the next two weekends at Northwestern than at Michigan State. So they go four and two, you know, in the next two weekends, you know, they're probably in. So that that, that projection is probably looking ahead. But they need to, they need to, they need to win them, right? I mean, yeah, they got to score runs. Yes, figure it out. <laughs> they got to, they have to score runs. Yeah, only uh, one which, run scored in the in the Saturday game uh, against Illinois, and and then two in the Sunday game. Yeah, that's what hurt them. I mean, especially against that Illinois uh, pitching staff that's good at the top, uh, and then you know drops off the cliff a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, it was just unfortunate for Iowa. Now it has to uh, play its way back in. Um, and, you know, it gets Northwestern in Evanston, and, you know, the Wildcats are sort of trying to piece things together and then back home against Michigan State. So an opportunity to, to go four and two, five and one perhaps, but it actually has to do it. Uh, so topic number two, uh, Iowa blew it. Well, so did Ohio State. I mean – Here's what I think with Ohio State, which is unfortunate. The Buckeyes had all that momentum, you know, coming off series wins against Penn State and Purdue, four and two series wins. You know, maybe you would like to sweep one of those series. And then the the Minnesota series just gets wiped out. And then they have to come back and play Purdue in a midweek game, and they win, but they, you know, we thought that the – it would be sustainable for them because they do have a little extra pitching depth, but it just wasn't. And then they lose two of three to Michigan state. And it just seemed like that momentum with not being able to play Minnesota because of the COVID issues with the Gophers, Gophers just uh, took sort of the run away from Ohio state. And if the Buckeyes were going to make a run toward the end of the season, it, 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 it got derailed that weekend. Yeah. You look at this and you, without, digging into it you want to kind of blame that Ohio State Purdue game in the middle of the week because Ohio State went out and pitched Burhin and they wanted yeah. to win and it and it sort of messed up the rotation a little bit there but then you so that's the easy way to just say oh well they messed up the rotation it was all chaotic and, and they lost two of three to Michigan State but if you look at it like Lonsway pitched Friday and he struggled and they lost uh but Griffin Smith pitched really well on Saturday they just yeah. lost he pitched yeah. well, and then and then they had Burhand and Neely fresh for Sunday. Right. So, you know, in theory, on paper, you're, like, looking at it being like, okay, well, that'll work. But it just didn't translate to... Yeah, the Lonsway start was the one yeah. uh, that hurt the Buckeyes. Uh, other teams? Rutgers. What happened? Huh? <laughs> I don't know. I was, I was all, a few weeks ago, you know, uh, Rutgers sweeps Nebraska, and you think, okay... Maryland's going to be up there. Ohio State's going to be up there. Iowa's going to be up there. Rutgers coming out of nowhere going to be up there. Yeah. And now it's like, all yeah, right, well, it. Iowa blew it. Ohio State blew it. Rutgers has won one game since sweeping Nebraska. <laughs> they came home and lost that pod and just, yeah. yeah, got swept themselves in their own pod. That tough, tough is tough. Took all that momentum away uh, from the Scarlet Knights. 
And yeah, just they're under 500 now. Who would have guessed that? I mean, they got some national pub out of that run they made against right. Michigan and Nebraska. And then it just sort of fell apart as quickly as it came together. It fell apart. Uh, what are you watching this weekend? Everything at the top. I mean, what are <laughs> <Yeah>. you? <laughs> you're watching the pod, and 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 you're watching Maryland at or uh, uh yeah, Maryland at at Michigan. Yes, sorry. yeah, at Michigan. Yes, in Ann Arbor. Ann Arbor. I, I mean, those are the two series, right? I mean, nothing. I mean, you're we not really watching anything else. <laughs> well, we'll literally be watching the the other you know two teams, uh, Purdue and and Minnesota playing in four games. They added that extra game on Thursday. We'll be watching from our our monitor up in our remote broadcast location. Uh, here in Lafayette. Uh, also, I mean, Northwestern and uh, hosting Iowa. Yeah, you're well, paying attention to that because you want, I mean, if you're a Big Ten baseball fan, which you are if you're listening here, uh, you want you want Iowa in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and a chance you would think for Iowa to play its way back in, at least on the other side of the bubble, man. It's going to be close, I think, for the Hawkeyes uh, because, you know, the, the schedule allows Iowa to get some wins. It doesn't allow them to get, like, marquee wins, you know. Right. These last two weekends. So it just has to try and win the games and then see where it's at. Uh, but I think it's going to be close either way. All right. Uh, that'll do it for the show for today. We do appreciate you listening. Tell your friends. Uh, subscribe. Do all of that kind of stuff. Thanks to Burt Granger for coming on uh, of D1Baseball.com, helping us break down the Big Ten. For Drew Charters, I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 1017 The Hammer. You're out!